Amen. The song that we were singing when we were worshiping, when we started worship, and we were saying he keeps on doing great things. <clears throat> His name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I don't know if I've got witnesses among us here who knows that the Lord keeps on doing great things. Are there some of you who know what the Lord does? Amen. Sometimes you wonder when you see some people being not very serious about their Christianity. You don't know how, what encounter they had with the Lord. Maybe they haven't had any encounter with the Lord yet. So for you who know what the Lord has done for you and who acknowledges that had it not been for the Lord, I wouldn't be here today. Some of you could have even been dead by now. But by God's grace, you are still here. Tell your neighbor you are sitting next to a living testimony. By God's grace, I'm still here. <clears throat> this is very serious because sometimes you find some people being not so serious with the Lord. Some people still come to church, but maybe not so serious with the Lord. Others don't even come to church. Others come to church late. And you just wonder, have they met the same Jesus that I have in my life? And sometimes you find people say they are Christians, but they don't even exercise faith in the Lord. They live like people of the world. In the book of Acts chapter 11, we hear about how Christians started being called Christians. So the way they were living, people could see that these ones live like Christ. Have you ever thought that that word Christian has got the word Christ in it? So sometimes you would hear people saying, I'm a, a Christian who is not born again. We don't believe in the born again business, but I'm a Christian. So how do you become a Christian without accepting Christ? Amen. So that is the challenge with most of us. And sometimes you find your Christianity is like a boring Christian. Let's start with, I think about two weeks ago, I shared with you about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And last week, when we were having a baptism service, we were reminded about the Great Commission. So if you enjoy serving God, you will never be bored with your Christian life. If you've got time of fellowship with the Lord, fellowshiping with the Holy Spirit, you will never be bored in your Christian life. Sometimes when you feel dry, it's because something is missing. So let's go to John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, New King James Version, Mr. MJ. We'll start it there because I just want to say to you that if you want to be a Christian but you haven't had an encounter with the Lord, you will have a religion because there will be no life, because there will be no connection. You come to church, you don't feel any difference. You try to pray, you don't feel any difference. You just feel there's no connection. So look at it with me in John chapter 7, 37 to 39, New King James Version. We start there. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Okay, so 
Jesus says, I said to you that it was the last day of the feast. So probably they have drunk already a lot of things. But he says, if any one of you thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Which to me says, he wasn't talking about the drinks they were drinking all along. Okay? There is another thirst that sometimes people would want to replace that thirst with many things in the world, whether it's material things, some even resort to drugs, some to alcohol, and any other things you can think of because of the thirst. Avoid. Continue. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Mm -hmm. But this is spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him will receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. Amen. He says, He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Last week we shared with you that it starts as a well, which is for personal use, that's the Holy Spirit in you. But then it becomes a river, which will go and touch many lives all over the world. So you start with that thirst, which you feel you are thirsty. You need the connection with the Lord. You need to have Jesus in your life. Once you have Jesus in your life, then that spirit starts bubbling in you, and you start being an influence even to other people. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 19. I want to show you how sometimes we replace things of the world for spiritual things. Sometimes when you find people either being very materialistic or going for a lot of things in the world, they are trying to substitute a certain void in them. So Mr. MJ, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, NLT, New Living Translation. Don't be drunk with wine. Okay. Don't be drunk with wine. Why does it start like that? It means it's possible to be drunk with Wine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that will ruin your life. That will ruin your life. What should we do instead? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't be under the influence of alcohol. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That even when you do things, people will think, you remember in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, some people started saying, they are drunk. The way they are doing things is like they are possessed. There is something that they are doing now. They are in another world. They are in another realm. Continue. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music. To the Lord in your hearts. Amen. What kind of a Christianity is this that it's not only waiting for Sunday when you meet with other believers, but even when you are alone, start having music in your heart. When you've got all those challenges and things seem to be difficult, and you keep on saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen. I know the Lord who will make a way even where there seems to be no way. Even when you think that the world is falling apart, but there is something that starts bubbling within you. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. 
So when it starts bubbling from within you, the devil cannot take that away from you. You know, that's why even the fruit of the Spirit comes from within. Joy, peace, love. It's from within. Because if your joy depends on the outside things, then it's happiness. It's not joy. Okay? Because joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't depend on how things are going in your life. It depends on who is in you. Amen? Amen. I've got a joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. To stay. It's down in my heart. I know the devil doesn't like it, but it's down in my heart. Amen? And people can't take it away from you if it's in your heart. But if it's depending on external things, if it's depending on materials, when you lose those materials, then you think of hanging yourself. You know many people who committed suicide? Because they were depending on things instead of depending on the Lord. So he says, he who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. But now when we drink this, the Lord is calling us to come to him. But he wants to fellowship with us. You know when God created us, he created us to fellowship with him. You remember in the Garden of Eden when he came after Adam and Eve had sinned and he said, where are you? So he was calling them out for fellowship. He wanted to fellowship with him, with them. Go with me to the book of John chapter 4, 23 and 24, contemporary English version, C-E-V. Because God is longing for fellowship. As much as we also long, as long, much as your spirit also long for fellowship. Do you know that even as a person, your soul longs for fellowship with other people? I think the main thing why in prison, you see, when we grew up, we were told that if you are arrested, they beat you in prison. And we thought that's the pain that you will have in prison. But of late, we hear that they don't beat you. They actually just keep you away from your relatives and from your people. Because even if they say it's life imprisonment, you are still alive. So what's the problem? It's because you are separated from fellowship with those whom you love. That's the pain you feel. Okay? That's the separation. That's the void you feel. But now, imagine having no fellowship with God. I might miss a person because, you know, sometimes people, people change, you know that. People have got moods. Today they laugh with you, but tomorrow they are angry. They were excited. When they were excited, they wanted you to rejoice with them. You remember the other time Jesus said, this nation, you guys surprise me. You are like when children were saying, we tried to pipe and you didn't want to dance. You didn't want to join us in a dance. Okay. But do you know that the Lord never has moods? Every time you want to fellowship with him, whether it's midnight hours, sometimes you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm coming to you not to ask for anything. I just want to spend time in your presence. Amen. So John 4, 23 and 24 CEV. By the time is coming, and it is already here, even now, the true worshippers are being led by the Spirit to worship the Father according to the truth. Mm. These are the ones the Father is seeking to worship Him. Amen. 
God is spirit. And those who worship God must be led by the spirit to worship him according to the truth. Can I pick some few words there? You will see it talks about true worshipers. Which means there are some people who are pretender worshipers. <laughs> okay? If he talks about true worshipers, it means there are some worshipers who are not true worshipers. Okay? And whether you are a true worshiper or not, it's not known by us, it's known by the Lord. Amen. Because the Lord is looking for true worshipers. And he says true worshipers will be led by the Spirit to worship. In other words, true worshipers are not led by flesh to worship. True worshipers don't do it for people. They do it for God. He says they are led by the Spirit to worship. But then I want these words. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So tell your neighbor, the Lord is looking for worshipers. He wants fellowship with you. And then it says God is spirit. And those who worship him must be led by the spirit to worship him according to the truth. So I like it when it says God is spirit. It means if I want to worship God, I cannot worship him in the flesh. I need to worship him in his frequency. Amen. It's almost like, how many of you have ever listened to these languages? I think, is it North America and that and some of those language and the way they talk and you think this is not a language? Just, but it seems others also hear us to be doing that. Just like we hear them doing this, they also hear us to be doing that. Okay? But can you worship with, can you fellowship with such a person? It's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> because you are not having the same language. You are not in the same frequency. That's even how God divided people in the beginning. When they wanted to build a tower that would go to heaven, he made them to have different dialects, and then they started parting ways. So for us, if we want to worship the Father, we need to be in the Spirit. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. I want us to stay a little bit in this Romans chapter 8 because I like this. There are Christians who are led by their flesh. And such a Christianity would be a boring one because you will be pulling hard. Okay? Because you are doing it in the flesh. But if you do it in the spirit, where it's not a routine, it's not a ritual, it's not a religion. You know we like saying Christianity is not a religion. You know that saying, isn't it? But... It can be a religion. It's not a religion, but it can be a religion. That's why we've got some religious people like the Pharisees. Okay? So, if we want Christianity to be the life of change, where I know I can trust God, I can... So, it's like in my life, I know I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I know when I pray, God hears me. I know I cannot leave him because he means so much to me. He has done so much for me. But I also know that the devil is cruel. So some of us, especially those of us who are preachers, and some of you are serious Christians, you can't afford to get out because the devil is roaming around looking for somebody to devour. And his greatest targets are those who are troublesome to him. So it's like we are in the hit list 
of the devil. Okay? So, but then, when I am staying right under the blood of Jesus, he can do me no harm. I'm gonna stay under the blood. Gonna stay right under the blood. I'm gonna stay right under the blood. Where the devil can do me no harm. The devil is doing harm to a lot of people. Okay? The only way not to be devoured is staying right under the blood of Jesus. It's being serious with the Lord whom you love. And no, because sometimes you look at people, maybe somebody close to you, they are not so serious. But how many of you know that the devil... He's the thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he comes uninvited. Tell your neighbor, the devil comes uninvited. So you do yourself good if you are well armed. If you know what God has said. If you know how to stand on the word of God and keep the devil under your feet. Amen. So Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 in the New King James Version. NKJV, Romans 8 from verse 1. I'll be, we'll be keeping on going down with it. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Do you see the contrast? There are those who walk according to the flesh, and there are those who walk according to the spirit. So ask yourself, which one am I? Because it says, those who are in Christ should not walk according to the flesh. You should never be ruled by your flesh. But you should walk according to the spirit. You should be ruled from the spirit. Continue. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I like this one. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you see the two laws? Which one do you like? Which one do you like? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, isn't it? It has set me free from... The law of sin and death, which to me says there are some people who are still under the law of sin and death. You cannot separate sin from death. It's, the, it's a package. That's, it's the same law. You don't have the law of sin and life. It, it doesn't work that way. Okay? The law of sin is the same law as the law of sin and death. So that's why we need to walk according to the Spirit so that we may live in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death. So let me give you an example. Let me give you a few laws. You know darkness and light. Which one is stronger than the other? 
How do you prove that? So when it's dark, if you switch light, darkness goes. But there's no way that darkness can impose itself on light. Okay? So which means the law of light supersedes the law of darkness. Why? Because the law of light, you know the angel of light and the angel of darkness? Okay? So the law of light goes along with things of the light, while the law of darkness goes along with the defeated devil. So it means even if the devil wants to do anything to you, you know, there are some of you who fear to be bewitched, and some of you fear this. Some of you are keeping on saying, no, I don't know. People are standing on my way. How do they stand on your Which law are they using? They can't be using the law of the spirit of life. So if they are using the law of sin and death, I will come and supersede that. The other time, was it last week, Eldamal, like, we were looking at the aeroplane. <laughs> you know how the aeroplane does it? Hmm? All of us here, we can be in a plane, okay? With your weight as you have it, and add it with ours and our luggages. And then, the aeroplane is still able to fly. Why? It's got to operate in another law. It's got to use a law that supersedes the law of gravity. Okay, so the law of lift or the law of aerodynamics, okay, which the aeroplane uses, it overcomes the law of gravity. So even though gravity is pulling that aeroplane down, that aeroplane will never go down as long as the law of aerodynamics, the law of lift is still in operation. What do you think will happen if the pilot and all those people say, ah, there is, no, there is no such thing as the law of gravity. That's why we are flying like this. Let's switch off the engines. The moment you switch off the engines, you realize the other law is still there. So what does this say to a Christian? Who sometimes you feel, you, you know that we are so protected, we are so spoiled. Being with the Lord. Try and get out there. You will realize the law of gravity is still there. I've switched off the engine now. Okay? Because there are times, sometimes, I mean, when I grew up, I was very much afraid of wizards, witches. I mean, where we grew up, most of you Africans, you know that. Don't need to tell you about that. But now, even when I visit those areas, it's like they are no more there. Because, I mean, sometimes you would be sleep, they would just be things around. But now they don't do that anymore when I'm there. Then it doesn't mean they are no longer there. I'm just operating in another law. In a law that is stronger than the law they use. That's why as a Christian, you need to dwell in the secret place of the most high and abide under the shadow of the almighty. Continue. 
For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Mm. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Tell your neighbor, I do not walk according to the flesh. I walk according to the spirit. How, how do we know that you walk according to the spirit? Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Mm -hmm. But those... did, did you just see what is the barometer? Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Yes. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. I want us to dissect a little bit that verse 5. Just like we dissected a bit verse 2. I want you to look at, okay, let me start it this way. Just like God is a trinity, God, we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's one God, but manifest himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So you are also a tripartite being. You are one person. You are a spirit. You've got a body. You, you live in a body and you possess a soul. I gave you the other example the other time that if somebody drops down dead, they say he's gone, but you still see his body. Isn't it? Which means the real you, it's not the body we see. So the flesh that always wants you to sin, that's not the real you. And that flesh wants you to miss eternity with the Lord. Because the, your flesh is from the dust. It will go back to dust. Your spirit is what needs to go back to God. Now, when you have to meet God, will you have been deceived by your flesh? So let's look at this verse. It says, for those who live according to their flesh. So one word, flesh. So it means this. Set their minds. That's soul. Okay? So your mind, your emotions, your will comprises what we call a soul. And those who live according to their spirit says their minds on the things of the spirit. So now, I told you the other time, you've got a flesh, you are a spirit, but the soul is that one in the middle. Okay, so the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so once your mind aligns with your spirit, your soul, your, your flesh is outnumbered. It's two against one. So your flesh will not prevail. That's how you live in the spirit. Once your soul and your mind and your emotions align with the flesh, your spirit will be outnumbered 
and you will be a carnal Christian. You will be dominated by the flesh. So it means the battlefield is really in your mind. The battlefield is in your will, your emotions, your soul. Okay? So now it says, so reread verse 5 with that understanding now. For those who live according to the flesh, okay, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So in other words, you who live according to the flesh, it's because your mind is aligned to your flesh. And then your spirit cannot prevail. You know what to do. Do you know that sometimes you do something and you keep on doing the wrong thing and the spirit is crying within you, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. Now, your will is, uh uh-uh. It's nice to do it. And then, aligns with the flesh. But it could have been still the same thing when the flesh wants to do it and the spirit says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then your soul or your will says, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to defile my body with things of the world. Then the flesh will be defeated. Continue. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Mm. For to be carnally minded is death. Yeah. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now do you see again? Carnal mind, death, spiritual mind, life and peace. So if you want to live a victorious life in the Lord, stay connected to the spirit of the Lord. Walk in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. Read verse 9 and then we'll go verse 11. I think we'll skip some so that I can still cover what I need to cover. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay. So you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. But there are Christians who are living in the flesh. Then you you will not be an effective Christian if you are led by your flesh. Continue. Now You've heard this thing where people say, I'm also a human being. I've got blood. That's when you are led by the flesh. Continue. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Mm. he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I like verse 11. I also use verse 11 even for healing. It says... If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life or will quicken your mortal body. So it means if the spirit of the Lord is in me, there is another verse that says, the life also of Jesus is made manifest in my flesh. So if the spirit of the Lord is in me, and is the spirit of life, isn't it? The spirit of Christ is the spirit of life. So the spirit of Christ in me evokes the law of the spirit of life in Christ. What what law do you think sickness uses? Do you think it's the law of the spirit of life? Uh-uh. It's the law of sin and death. So it means the law of the spirit of life, the spirit of Christ in me, should flush out anything that is of the enemy. 
So when sickness is in my body, I know sickness uses the law of sin and death. Then I need the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to be manifested in my body and gives life in me. So that's why verse 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Do you see that? So in other words, because the spirit of life, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of life. That's why even when I believe God for long life and say I will live long on the earth. It's not that the devil doesn't want me to die. The devil has got many things he can kill you with. But can we make use of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Amen. Amen. To cancel out anything that the law of sin and death would want to do on my life. So that's why I've got to walk in the spirit. The problem with some of you is you want to use the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to exercise authority, but you don't live by that law. It won't work. You will be there like the sons of Sceva. So you cannot apply this law if you are not living by that law. You need to live by that law. Then the law will be effective. Okay? So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Go verse 14. So it means, if it says for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, it means it's possible to be led by the flesh. Isn't it? So if you start checking on your life, how has your life been led? What was leading you? Was it the Spirit of life? Was it the Holy Spirit from within you? Before you make decisions, were you always waiting for the Holy Spirit in you to guide you? If you look there, sometimes we make decisions based on the flesh, based on reasoning. And we land in trouble. So it means if the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, if there is the spirit of the Lord who is available to guide me, how many of you know that the spirit of the Lord is God himself? How many of you know that the spirit, the Holy Spirit knows the future? So even when I go to take a decision, some of you need to take decisions concerning your jobs. Some of you need to take decisions concerning your future spouses, your husband or wife, whoever you're going to marry. Now, sometimes if you get into that from the flesh point of view, you are going to be stranded because you did not consult the one who knows the future. You just take a job because it's got a better package only to find that in a year's time, that company, it's insolvent. Because you were led by your reasoning. You were led by the package that you saw. But you never consulted, Lord, what do you want me to do? Go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 13. Because... The book of John chapter 16, 13 to 15, 
We're doing Genesis 13, 9 to 18 in the NLT. But John 16, 13 to 15 talks about when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you. So the Holy Spirit wants to lead me. The reason why you, some of you hear this thing where people phone in and they say it's your horoscope and this, this, you were born in this and this. Because you want to know things. You want to know the future. But John 16, 13 to 15 says, when, however, when the Spirit comes, he will, he will reveal the truth about God. He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears and he will tell you things to come. So if you want to know things to come, be a friend of the Holy Spirit. Don't try and shop around from people. <laughs> because they will tell you a lot of things. He says, all that my father has is mine. That is why he said, the spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. Because sometimes these people who tell you about the, who want to tell you about the future. I think they tell you what you want to hear. Can I give you another example from the Bible? <laughs> you remember the two people who dreamt during uh, when, when Joseph was in prison? The butler and the baker. You remember the two people who dreamt? Okay? So, one comes with his dream. He say, oh, I dreamt this and this and this and this. And then Joseph said, this dream means that the... Pharaoh will take you out of prison and you go and serve him again and all this and all this. Good. Other ones, I also dreamt. And then he explains his dream. and says, but your dream means that you will be taken out of prison and you are going to be hanged. So it means he wasn't only telling them what they wanted to hear. Because he knew from the spirit of the Lord. The problem with people is that sometimes, even when they claim to be prophesying you, they tell you what you want to hear. Okay? So, if anybody is prophesying you or is saying anything to you, may it align with what is in your spirit. Amen? So, your spirit will confirm that, yes, this is so. Because your spirit is connected to God. So now, Look at Genesis chapter 13, 9 to 18 NLT. I want us to look at the dangers of taking decisions without involving God. And you are led either by your eyes, or you're led by money, or you're led by your flesh, but not God. Your flesh, your eyes, your whatever, and money, and desire for this and this, those things are temporary. And they also don't know the future. So look at Genesis chapter 13, 9 to 18, NLT. So this was the time when both, uh, okay. So Lot, he was connected to Abraham. And because of the blessing that was upon Abraham, Lot was also very blessed. So both of them now started having so much blessings and they had so many cattle and all that that the grazing place was no longer enough for both of them. 
and their head men started fighting among themselves. And then Abraham suggested that they should part ways. Okay? So read from verse 9. The whole countryside is open to you. So it's Abraham talking to Lot. Uh Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. Okay, take your choice. Choice. Tell your neighbor, how do you make your choices? Somebody is told, take your choice. Mm -hmm. If you want the land to the left, Mm -hmm. then I'll take the land on the right. Okay. If you prefer the land on the right, Mm -hmm. then I'll go to the left. Now look at verse 10. How does Lot make his choice? Lot took a long look. Hey, let's all say, Lot took a long look. Lot took a long look. That's kind of, you just look. Okay? You just look. How do you think it would have been if Lord took a long time inquiring from the Lord. So, Lord took a long look. Uh-huh. At the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley. Okay. So, he looked and it looked fertile. It was green. You know, sometimes we say we're seeking greener pastures. Mm. So, some of the greener pastures that you're looking at, they are not that green. They may look green to your eyes now. So he looked, and it looked like the fertile plains mm. of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zohar. Mm-hmm. The whole area was well, wet, well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Hey, this mm. looked like, with the natural eyes, this was the perfect spot. Yeah. So I probably think in his head he was thinking, huh, Abraham, how did you think I should choose first? Because it's obvious. My flocks and everything I have will flourish. We're going to the fertile land. We're going to the greener pastures. I don't know if by that time they already had coined the term greener pastures. If they did, he would have said, I'm choosing the greener pasture. Continue. Lot chose for himself. Uh So if you do it in the NLT, there's some words in brackets. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. So it seems like, so the Bible now puts it in brackets and shows us (laughs) the land that Lord looked at. It was the land of Sodom and Gomorrah that was going to be destroyed. Don't you think, do you think if Lord knew that the land of Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed, would he have chosen Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh -uh. He would have said, hi, it looks, it looks greener today, but hey. Something is coming here. Okay? So that's why I say, even in all the choices you make, may you not only be led by your eyes, because you may choose Sodom and Gomorrah. And those of you who want to get married, they are still Sodom and Gomorrahs. Mm. If you just take a long look only, then you're going to be in trouble. Okay? You need to ask the Lord. May he lead you, may he guide you. Even if he's taking time, rather wait for the right thing. Rather than rushing 
for Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you rush for Sodom and Gomorrah, when Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, you remember what they were told? <laughs> this sounds cruel. Run for your life. Don't take anything. It's only your life that you're running for. And then as they were running, Lord's wife thought, <laughs> because she was told, you mustn't even look back. Ha! All the things that my husband and I have worked for so long. Then when she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. But some of you say, but why did she look back? Imagine, I mean, you've worked the rest, the whole of your life. Now you're told, just run away from it. So she looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. But had Lord consulted with God before, he might have had a different answer. So continue reading down. Then you will see, with Abraham, even when he had to make his choice, we hear the Lord saying something. Read it. Continue. 11. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abraham. So I think the issue here, I'm seeing two things. One, he made a decision without consulting God. But I think the other part was to part with Abraham. You know, I like Ruth. You know, Ruth, the other time, even after the husband was dead, she says, I don't want to get away from you, Naomi. Okay? Because I know there is something about your God. I want your God to be my God. I want to stick with you. So I think if Lord knew blessing by association, he would still have survived. Beside the one of saying, he looked. But he could have said, I can't go anywhere without you because when I, what I have is because of my association with you. You know, it happens like that. Some of you, you are associated with us and things seem to be working. Now you cut the association. Now you start struggling. Now you wonder, oh, no, pastor, sometimes they bewitch you that if you are away from them, then things start falling apart. No, you're disconnected. Amen. So he disconnected here. He parted ways with Uncle Abraham. Let's all say he parted ways with Uncle Abraham. Mm. So he was parting from his blessing. Continue, verse 12. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, mm. and Lot moved his tent to a place near Sodom mm -hmm. and settled among the cities of the plain. Mm. But the people of this area were extremely wicked, and constantly sinned against the Lord. You know that people sometimes, they don't mind getting things that look to be good, even in an evil environment. In other words, you're trading your soul, you're trading your spirit for a temporary gain of your flesh. Continue. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham. I like this. After Lot had gone... The Lord said to Abraham, Abraham. Mm -hmm. look as far as you can see in every direction. So who was directing uh, Abraham to look? God. You see the difference? Mm. Okay, continue. 
North, so they, they all looked. It's just that the other one was directed to look. North. Okay? So it's, it's like when we were growing up, people were saying, especially if you're still trusting God for a partner, they say, it seems like one eye is closed, the other one is looking. I don't know what that means, but continue. Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. Okay, now, I'm seeing something here. I am giving all... No, no, I'm seeing something in this verse 14. He says, look as far as you can see. Didn't Abraham say, if you go west, I'll go east? So, but now, Abraham is looking as far as he can see, west, east, south. So, it means wherever his eyes could see, the Lord had given him that. Continue. I am giving all this land as far as you can see. Yes. To you. So, can we say, the Lord is giving me his promises. As far as I can see them. That's why he said to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you. So those of you who don't spend enough time in the word, you are not seeing enough of your land. Okay? So the Lord says, I'm giving you the land as far as you can see. So, in your own life, what land are you seeing? You know that sometimes we like seeing what people of the world tell us. Hey, the cost of living is too high. I know the lie. Hey, these days, hey, hey, hey. Is that, what, is that the land you see? Huh? So why don't you go to the word of God and look at some of the land? Look at the land of divine health. Look at the land of, of, of long life. Look at the land of prosperity. Look at the land of peace. Look at the land of joy. Look at the land of protection. As far as you can see, that is your land. Mm -hmm. As far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. So tell your neighbor, as far as you can see. As far as you can see. So what happens if you can't see it? That's all you have. Okay? So some of you are not spending enough time looking. You are not spending enough time searching. You need to spy your land. You know the 12 spies. Go and spy the land. So you can spy the land in the word of God. Even when you come to church regularly, we show you some of the land that rightfully belong to you. Because sometimes you don't see that land. And the devil would still rob you because you can't see your land. You don't know it's your land. You see people of the world and you say, how it seems being a Christian doesn't pay because even people of the world are getting this, are getting that, are getting that. Why don't you look at the land that the Lord wants you to have? Continue. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth they cannot be counted. Mm. Go and walk through the land in every direction. Hey. For I am giving it to you. Can we repeat verse 17? And I want all of us to, 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 to do a little bit of practice. 
So tell us, Mr. MJ. Go and walk through the land in every direction. Okay. Mm. For I am giving it to you. Not he's he's not he didn't say I'm giving it to you. No, he said for I am giving it to you. Uh-uh. Okay. Go and walk through the land in every direction. For I am giving it to oh, I was talking verse 15. Sorry, you are right. So verse 15. Read verse 15. I am giving all this. Okay. I'm giving all this land. So he is giving us all of that land. Okay? So it means when I'm walking in this land, can, can we stand up and just try and walk? Okay. So if I walk this way, I find the land of healing, divine health. I walk this way, I find the land of protection. I walk this way, I find the land of peace. I walk this way, I find the land of prosperity. So I'm going to keep on walking on this land. And some of you don't walk and possess your lands. That's why sometimes you think, if I get this, you can see it. Let me give you this example. The other time I had, okay, I actually had two examples of people. One, this person had at first was trusting God for marriage at first, and after that she had given up. Now she was saying, as long as I, I've got a car, I've got, I've got even my house. It doesn't say if you've got a car and you, don't, you have a house, you don't need the marriage. So you can't substitute marriage for a car and a house. You need all, isn't it? Now the other one, they were trusting God for a child for a long time. And then the person was just not giving birth, always having miscarriages. Now, the other time she said, my focus now is on my education and a job. That's all I want now. Let me say to her. But it doesn't mean if you've got that, you can't get this. You know, sometimes we go to God as if, if I ask this, then I can't ask that. Tell your neighbor, God is not like your father. Tell your neighbor, your, your, your father is limited. He will tell you, only one present for Christmas. Okay? God doesn't work like that. Because God can't say to me, hi, you are asking too much, man. You just asked long life. You asked protection. You asked for finances. You asked for peace. Hey, you're asking for a lot of things. No. He said, every place that my eyes can see, I must walk in those lands. And every place that the sole of my foot shall tread, that land has been given to me. So I'm going to spend time walking, treading my land. Amen? Because I want to take it all. And can we, I want us to now prepare for landing. Go with me to Zephaniah. Chapter 3, verse 5, in the ERV, easy to read version, Zephaniah. Okay? 
Those of you who only have the Gideons, the New Testament, you won't have Zephaniah. <laughs> you need a full Bible because here we, we quote the whole Bible. So Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 5, ERV, easy to read version. I want to show you why it's very important that you consult God in everything you do. You allow the Spirit of the Lord to guide you, to lead you. God has got your vested interest at heart. You are his child. He wants things to go well with you. Isaiah 1.19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Deuteronomy 5.29 says, oh, if they could just have such a heart in them, it would be well with them and with their children forever and ever, if they fear me always. So God wants things to go well with us. So now if you look at it in Zephaniah, ERV, 3.5. The Lord is still in that city. Can we all say, but the Lord, but the Lord is still in that city. Is still in that city. Mm -hmm. What does he do? And he continues to be good. Let's all say, the Lord continues to be good. So, you know that sometimes people of the world, they equate bad things with God. They will say, when a tornado is struck, hey, it's the works of the Lord. Um, accident, people have, have been killed, all of them. Hey, you know, what can we say? The Lord does what he wants. That doesn't sound like the verses I'm reading. In my Bible, the killer, the destroyer, and the, the a thief is not God. John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Because I, Jesus, operates in the law of the spirit of life. I don't operate in the law of sin and death. So even God here, it says he's still in that city. He continues to be good. Mm -hmm. He does not do anything wrong. Can we all agree he does not do anything wrong? Let's say that. Okay, continue. He continues to help his people. Including me. Can mm -hmm. we add? There it says he continues to help his people, including me. So, so you read it for us, Mr. MJ, we follow you, but after his people, we say including me. Mm. He continues to help his people. He continues to help his people, including, including me. <laughs> so it means if he wants to help me, can't I wait on him for him to help me? Continue reading. You will see what he does. Morning after morning, he makes good decisions for them. Like today, mm. even this morning, he just made some other good decisions for me. Can you tell your neighbor, even this morning, he just made some other good decisions for me. That's why when you walk with God, always expect his favor, expect his grace, expect to get unmerited favor. Because people who are of the world, they will say, you never know. You know, anytime you can just get out here and you get knocked down by a car. What kind of God is that? Because my God, morning after morning, he's making good decisions for us. 
He does not do anything wrong. Continue. Not a day passes without his justice. Yeah. Now, read that last part about decisions. He never gives a decision that is crooked or off. So he never gives a decision that is crooked or something to be ashamed of. So I will keep on asking him for decisions. You know, sometimes in our busy life, we rush. Because we want a quick decision, a quick answer now. You know that's even how some of you fall into the traps of debt. This is on special, today only. And if you don't take it, it's gone. Let it go. I don't take decisions under pressure. You need to make that your motto because otherwise you will land in trouble because you will be told. But what is surprising is that every time is today only. <laughs> so it's today only. And you come next week is today only. Ow. So never take any decision under pressure. Consult God. So in, I will read two scriptures to land with. Let's read Habakkuk 2. 1 to 5 Amplified Classic. This one, I just want to help you. How to wait on God. And learn to hear his voice. It's not easy to hear his voice if you don't spend enough time with him. I gave you an example the other time I said, okay, let me give you this simple example. Imagine my wife phones me with an unknown number. And she doesn't say she's my wife. Do you think I would recognize her? Hmm? With an unknown number. I know her voice. Okay? Now, imagine somebody that never talked with me. Phones me. What will I say? Who is speaking to me? I don't know your voice. Okay? So now, it's like that, even in our relationship with God. If you don't spend enough time with him, it's more harder to recognize his voice than if you spend more time with him. The more time you spend with him, the better you discern his voice. It's a practice. Okay? Sometimes you would even be saying, is it my mind, is it me, or is it God? It's a common question to ask. Because your spirit is connected with the spirit of the Lord. Sometimes you think it's you even when it's the Lord guiding you. So if it's not a wrong thing, do it because in any way, and then tomorrow you say, ah, it means that was the Lord. I just felt something in me saying, I mustn't go there that time. And all of a sudden, when I passed, I hear there was a horrible accident that all the cars that were there at that time, there were so many fatalities. So how did I escape that? There was an inner prompting. Something that just... You see, the, the problem with... Sometimes with, with, with the 
these prompts, you won't hear them if you are very busy. Because they are usually not very loud and not imposing. So read Habakkuk 2, 1 to 5, Amplified Classic. Oh, I know. I have been rushed to talk out plainly this way to God. Okay. I will, in my thinking, stand upon my post of observation and station myself on the tower or fortress and will watch to see what he will say within me. Okay. I want to dissect that quickly. He says, I will, in my thinking, Okay? So, but what about what is within you? He says, I will in my thinking stand upon my post and observation and station myself. It's like he's tuning himself to the right frequency. So as he stations himself, as he tunes himself, he says, and I will watch what he will say where? What he will say where? Within. Within me. Do you see that? So I will, in other words, I've got to be still and know that he's God. I've got to start reigning in my mind to be sensitive to what the Lord is saying within me. I will, it will be difficult for me to hear him if my, my mind is wandering around. I've got to station my mind. And he says, after that, you could hear the voice. And then he was told the vision is for an appointed time. Write it down. For those who run, must run knowing the vision. So sometimes when you've got something laid in your heart, and you're not sure, is it God, is it me? Sometimes you need to write that down. And some years later, you look and say, ah, it means that time I had God. It means that was God. Now, you're getting confidence in hearing the voice of God. So let's land with 1 Kings chapter 19. Verse 11 to 13, Amplified Classic. We land with this one. You've had enough for the day, but I just want you to be encouraged that if you want to hear God, you will need to do what the book of Psalms says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we are very busy with a lot of things that we miss the voice of God. So it's not always that God would speak to us in a thunderous voice. More often than not, it will be like an inner prompt. I will want to hear what he will say within me. But I need to station myself. I need to tune into the right station, the right frequency. You get that? So 2 Kings chapter 19, 11 to 13, Amplified Classic. Now, this was the time when Elijah wanted to hear from God. But the good thing with Elijah is he stationed himself. Read. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. 
the Lord was not in the wind. So can we say, but the Lord was not in the wind? Was not in the wind. So there are times when the Lord could be in the wind, but in this case, the Lord was not in the wind. Continue. And after the wind, earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Don't you think those of you who depend on seeing things with your eyes, when you hear earthquakes, you say, ah, it's the Lord. That is the Lord. He says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Uh-huh. And after the earthquake, a fire. Hey, most of you like this one. Fire. <laughs> you like this one, isn't it? Yeah. So sometimes you can say fire. But read it further. But the Lord. But the Lord was not in the fire. Ah. Fire. No, it was not there. <laughs> <laughs> so here it says, but the Lord was not in the fire. So he can be in the fire, but don't confine him to the fire. Okay? So he says, but he was not in the fire. So he was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. Because I would have thought either the wind, the earthquake, or at most the fire. The Lord must be there. Now you are led by your flesh. Every time you hear wind, earthquake, fire, you say that's God. Mm. But the Lord was not in the fire. Continue. And after the fire, mm-hmm. now, all the other three, they are very easy to pick. Okay? Even when you are in the flesh, you can hear a strong wind. Even when you are in the flesh, you can hear the earthquake. Even when you are in the flesh, you can see the fire. But now, after the fire, a sound of stillness and a still small voice. Can I read that one for you, Mr. MJ? Yes, please. Okay. Because I told you, fire. But now, a sound of a gentle stillness and a still small voice. Very easy to miss. You get that? A sound of a gentle stillness and a still small voice. Now let's see what happens now? When Elijah heard the voice. Okay, now he picked this one. Still, small voice. But he picked it. Okay? So it means, okay, read it and finish, and then I'll just explain and we stop this one. When Elijah heard the voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Amen. Did you get that? So I'm just saying to you, sometimes we're missing the voice of God because either we are very busy with many things that we are doing or we are looking and seeing 
and being like Lot and not being led by the Spirit. So the most common way that the Lord communicates with his people is through his Spirit who is in us. Okay? He can show you a vision. He can show you a dream and all the many other things. He can even appear physically like he appeared in the burning bush with the fire of um, Moses. But more often than not, is that inner prompt, a still, small voice. And I want us to learn to discern his voice. Sometimes when you start, it will be like, I really don't know if it's the spirit of the Lord or if it's me. But also be still and know that he is God. Actually, I'll read this one as you're getting ready to stand up. It's, it's Psalms 46, verse 10 and 11, Amplified Classic. Psalms 46, 10 and 11. Because this is just teaching us how to tune in. Like Habakkuk says, I will tune in. I will station myself. Read it, Psalms 46, 10 and 11, Amplified Classic. Let be and be still, and know, recognize, and understand that I am God. So he says, be still and know that I am God. Imagine you are in a difficult situation and things are pushing you down and all that, and you just keep quiet and recognize that he is God. He is in control. He is in charge. Continue. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Mm -hmm. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our high tower and stronghold. Yeah. Selah, pause, and come and think of that. I like that. So can we, do you see what's the meaning of Selah? Hmm? Sometimes you read the book of Psalms, and you read, 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 and say Selah. So when you say Selah, what does it say? Pause, and that, think of. That's how you pick revelations from God. Pause, and think calmly about what you need to know. Can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard?